by identifying the plant community, we can tell so much about what's going on under the soil, what's going on in the environment. It's a completely non-destructive method for an almost complete interpretation of the landscape and its history. This is uh, our first site. It's a quite a nice area of limestone grassland. So this is our most sort of rich vegetation. I was quite careful there to use the word rich rather than diverse. In terms of vegetation, we talk about a rich vegetation as one which has a wide range of species. Diversity as an ecological sort of concept includes both richness and what we call evenness, yeah, which is the way in which the individuals are spread amongst the different species that are present there. So richness is how many different sorts of things are there. Diversity is a more complex measure. So this is quite a nice sort of rich vegetation. Two of the key species are things you've come across already. So the two grasses which are in flower at the moment are sweet vernal grass and blue moor grass. The major challenge of this exercise is one of recognising the different species. It's a taxonomic problem. We've provided the students with a species list of plants that we've found here already, but to people who are new to it, obviously, they have to learn to recognise every species on the list. If you're not sure, chew it. It's the vanilla grass, yeah? So sweet vernal grass is sort of the, the greener of the two. Uh, the blue moor grass is actually perhaps sort of starting to, to finish. The flower's actually blue, but what you're looking at is things like the stamens which are sticking out, which are giving it a white appearance. So, which is the bigger flower head? Sweet vernal grass. The other one is sort of slightly squatter and wider. Right, let's see what else we can find. This is, as you can see, a calcareous grassland, and they are notoriously extremely species rich. So there could be 30, 40 species that they'll have to identify within each quadrat, which can be very time consuming. Uh, oak grasses, the, the florets tend to have horns on the end, yeah, these long spikes. I suppose if you were eating it, that would be oat cuisine, wouldn't it? Uh, the oak grasses also have peeled leaves and a long ligule. The great thing about analysing the data is that it tells us quite a lot about not only the present conditions in terms of management, climate, soil, um, and other environmental factors. It also enables us to make decisions about management of the ground if we want to try and move it from something which is perhaps um, a degraded vegetation that's been treated with fertilisers. We want to know if we managed it in a certain way, could we turn it into something more ecologically valuable, more diverse, or better suited for a different purpose. When you're picking grasses, just be careful some of the grasses have really sharp edges on them, and this is one of them. Tufted hair grass, very rigid. It gives us a lot of information about how to deal with the, with the, the grassland, and, and that, that can inform the decision of a lot of people that are interested in the environment and, and land use generally. Plantains have ribs on the underside, parallel veins, and the veins stick out on the underside like ribs. It's actually called ribwork plantain because people used to use it to, to make a poultice to treat cracked ribs. Uh, there used to be a thing called the, the doctrine of signatures, which was where sort of people thought that God, when they designed plants, put clues in as to what they could be used for. So heart's ease is a plant with a heart-shaped leaf. 
Eye bright is a plant with a sort of a bright eye in the flower, and ribwort plantain has ribs on the underside because that's a clue from God that you can use this as a, a party treatment for your cracked ribs. So you make a poultice, strap it on your ribs, and buy jingo, you're sort of cured the next day. We could carry on like this forever, but we're not going to because it's going to be much more interesting, I think, when you actually start looking at your own quadrats. Each group is putting out a two metre by two metre quadrat on the grassland surface. They're then going to record every species that's present in the quadrat, and they're also going to use the Domin scale to try and estimate the abundance of each species within each quadrat. We have five groups here today, and each one's doing one quadrat, but if you were by yourself, you'd have to do the five. If it was a particularly large area, you might want to carry out 10 or 15, but it's always a good idea to stick to some multiple of five. We've got quite a bit of moss, it's a bit of lichen, and we did actually manage to find some of the, uh, the wild thyme. When we got here, well, the first obvious thing was it was, it was very uncomfortable to work. It was on a rocky slope, which, uh, which made it difficult. And then when we started looking at it in detail, it, it's very difficult because to start with, it all just looked like a load of grass. It's not covering much, but we could say many individuals. Number three, many individuals. The fact that um, a lot of the grasses aren't flowering made it quite difficult to identify them because grasses do look quite similar when they don't when they don't flower uh, but basically just using uh, keys and descriptions to identify what they were um, and then just just count them really you don't realize how many different species there are going to be in one two meter by two meter quadrat I, I couldn't believe how many species we actually found it's incredible, really. People don't look closely enough at the ground. Our quadrat particularly looked like a patch of grass initially, and it was only when we got right down into it that we managed to see all the different species. We actually counted up 21 species in our particular quadrat. Some of the species that we kept coming up with we'll never, ever forget what, what they are, as long as we live. <laughs> Okay, folks, uh, this is our second site then. So this is Tarn Moss. Okay, there's a, a limited range of plants compared with the, the last site. So it's a less rich habitat. There's fewer things to identify. Uh, the bad news is that a lot of them are mosses here. So you got fed up with grasses last time. We're onto the mosses this time. And not just any old mosses, we're onto sphagnum. There's something like sort of 38 species of sphagnum in this country and 37 of them look identical. Let's start off with the woody plants first of all. At the top of your sheet I think you've got half a dozen species. Uh, things like heather, cross-leaved heath, bilberry, cranberry, which are all members of the same family. They're all members of the heather family. Uh, it can get very confusing at times with the berries. Because if we just run through what berries we've got here, we've got bilberry. It's nicely in leaf now, which is good. Um, it's got a, a green, angular stem. If you look at the stem, there's sort of a, a ridge which seems to almost spiral around the stem. You see the very sort of 
it's a slightly orangey green almost, isn't it? In that flat area there. That's a thing called sphagnum recurvum. Uh, if you read the, the handbook to sphagnum, then it talks about it having the appearance of drowned cats. And if you look at the base of the, the stems, all the little leafy shoots there, they look like sort of matted hair, don't they? Which I think is where the, the drowned cat idea comes from. Can you see this one here with a, a distinct reddish coloration on it? Yeah, that's the thing called sphagnum capillifolium. If you get one the other way round, so it's red in the middle and green on the outside, that's another species called sphagnum subnitans. Never rely on one stem, because you might just get a bit that's odd. So look at the whole sort of clump, and you're looking for red in the whole clump. If you just go slightly further on the boardwalk, um, there are some really nice patches of sundew. It's a plant with a, a green disc with red sticky hairs around the outside and it traps and catches insects and will curl up and digest the insect. Right, that'll do. That one is quite, quite compact, isn't it, that one? Yeah, it is, yeah. The recurvum is the drowned cat. Oh, yeah, with a hint of yellow and orange. Yeah. The procedure is exactly the same. The students have divided up into four groups and they've done their two metre by two metre quadrats, recording the species and their abundance. And we're now going to set off back to the laboratory where we will use the, the book keys to try and decide which communities we have. This one's obviously something of a heath and the other one was something of a calcareous grassland, but the books will help us to put a, an exact code onto it. Several at least. Several. Yeah. several. Two? That's number two then, yeah. yeah. Less than 40% than seven, number two.